It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by GetUpside. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, your team every day. Well, at least during the weekday. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on Spotify and all of the other podcasting platforms out there where you listen to this show and all of the shows that we have here across the Locked On Podcast Network. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. That means tomorrow. So to participate, either at me at Julian Council or DM me at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer your questions a part of the weekly Friday mailbag right here on Locked On Panthers. Okay, so I'm having to re-record this first segment of the show because... Earlier in the initial one that y'all were going to hear today, I was talking about the possibility of Matt Rule going to Michigan if Jim Harbaugh did indeed take the Vikings job there in Minnesota. Well, according to Adam Schefter, Jim Harbaugh has informed the University of Michigan that he will not be taking the Vikings job, even though he had an all-day interview on Wednesday, which was National Signing Day in college football. And understand college football now has the early signing period, which takes precedent over the original signing period, the legacy signing period on the first Wednesday in February, which was yesterday. And Harbaugh was not there. And even if Michigan's full class is basically, let's say at a top 10 class, number eight in the country, according to 24-7 sports, which, hey, man, you wanted to bail. I understand Ohio State's tough to beat. Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, you're probably not going to recruit with them. And he saw in the Orange Bowl in the college football playoff what his ceiling likely is. And he also probably dreams of one day having a Super Bowl trophy and having a parade down whatever downtown strip of the city in which he coaches in in the NFL. But that's not going to happen as he's going to be staying at Michigan. And that is unfortunate for a lot of Carolina Panther fans. Chris Ballas of the Wolverine, which is the new Michigan website for On3 Sports, which is similar to 24-7 Sports and also similar to Rivals.com, where they cover college sports. And they actually have some pretty good guys who locally are on the beat. Now, some websites are better than others. And I tell you all this, because he was reporting that Harbaugh going to Minnesota and flying there for the interview was a formality and that he would be taking the Vikings job. I've told you all this before. There are a select few amount of people who actually break news in sports. Like when it comes to football, the NFL, Adam Schefter, Chris Mortensen, those are your guys from ESPN, Ian Rappaport, Jay Glazer, listen to them. Even even Peter Schrager is pretty good at breaking news. Those are the ones to listen to. And locally, there are some really good newsbreakers. 
But for news like this, typically it's going to come from someone from a national news media outlet. College football-wise, listen to Pete Dammel, listen to Bruce Feldman. If anyone else is saying otherwise, then don't listen to them. Chris Ballas had never heard of the guy. Not trying to disrespect him at all. I'm sure he does a fantastic job covering Michigan. But to think that he knew what was going on would be a little bit naive. And that's kind of why I try to help you guys here in informing you on who the newsbreakers are. Like, we talked about it before when Matt Rule potentially could be the Oklahoma head coach. And there was thoughts, at least from a TV guy in Tulsa, that, hey, yeah, Matt Rule's on the list. And this is what's going to happen. And TV guys don't break news. And I don't mean to be disrespectful because I like a lot of TV guys. And sports radio guys, like my background, they don't break news. Reporters do. Insiders do. Sometimes they know, but most times they don't. It's very few and far between that you're going to find someone who's in the know there. Now, a really good thread that was put out there on Wednesday morning was from John U. Bacon, who is a New York Times bestselling writer and also lives in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And he is a former sports writer, has a lot of ties to the University of Michigan, and he actually outlined why it would be difficult for Jim Harbaugh to get the job with the Minnesota Vikings. Harbaugh, if you remember, when 44-19, when he was at the San Francisco 49ers, taking him to back-to-back NFC title games, going to a Super Bowl where he lost to his brother in the Harbaugh Bowl, a wildly successful NFL head coach, but also someone who has earned a reputation of being difficult to work with and someone who doesn't stay somewhere very long. Being at Michigan for seven years, now eight seasons, is shocking to a lot of folks who thought that maybe Harbaugh would stay here for a couple seasons, have success, and then bounce back to the National Football League where he doesn't have to deal with recruiting and everything that goes with that there in college football. But the main reason why he didn't think Jim Harbaugh would get the job, at least it wasn't a formality, contrary to the report that was put out there by uh, Chris Ballas, was the fact that the owners of the Minnesota Vikings, the Will family, they are very tight with Jed York, who's the owner of the San Francisco 49ers, who apparently has spent his time since Jim Harbaugh departed bad-mouthing Harbaugh to anyone who would listen. There's also a University of Michigan alum who is a trustee at Eastern Michigan University who is a minority owner of the Minnesota Vikings who is saying negative things about Jim Harbaugh and is a Harbaugh detractor, not only when it comes to the University of Michigan, their shared alma mater, but also when it came to the job in Minnesota. From everything I'd heard from guys like Stephen Godfrey, who also is a newsbreaker in college football, not well-known, but he breaks news. He has the inside scoop on a lot of these things. He hosts the Split Zone Duo podcast. He had pointed out in his podcast episode on Tuesday how Harbaugh, if he got offered the job, would take the job. And finding out that he's not going to go to the Vikings job means that the Will family, really Jed York, and the minority owner won out, and Jim Harbaugh would not be going to Minnesota. Which means that Matt Rule is staying here in Carolina, much to the chagrin of a lot of Carolina Panther fans. And I said this on the original episode that I was going to put out here, the original segment, about Matt Rule and the vitriol that surrounds him. And I'm going to talk about the Greg Olson article that he had a conversation with Joe Person and something that stood out to me there in terms of what the Carolina Panthers might do at quarterback But also something that stood out to me was Greg Olson talking about the vitriol that there is there here in Charlotte when it comes to Matt Rule and how the fan base just does not like Rule at all. First two years of Ron Rivera, they won 13 games. First two years of Matt Rule with an extra game, they won 10 games. And there was really no marketable progress in year two here in Charlotte when you look at the record. I think in certain aspects, they got better. But overall, the process does not look like it's working a 1,000% like Matt Rule told us. 
but for me, the biggest thing, it's not just the quarterback situation and watching guys like Greg leave in the way that the Cam Newton situation was handled. It really comes down to, I don't think Matt Rule has ingratiated himself within the community here in Charlotte. I get it. He gets here two months into the job, global pandemic. You can't go anywhere. Last season in 2020, they were restricted to their hotel. And even this year throughout the season, they had some other COVID restrictions and he's likely not going to go out in the community. But we are fastly approaching about a year of the vaccine being widely available. You would have thought at some point in time, Matt Rule would have been out in the community and trying to be a charlatan. Since the day he came here and the day he left, Ron Rivera let Charlotte know that he cares about this city. What his wife and him did, Stephanie, when they sold back and auctioned off all the Panthers gear and memorabilia from their nine years here to raise money for the Humane Society as their last act in Charlotte. That's incredible. When he lost his job, he came over to WFNZ back when I was still working there, and he came in studio to talk about that, how much Charlotte meant to him, how much the fan base meant to him. Could you see Matt Rule doing that? He's already not PR savvy as is, but he's not doing anything for people to want to get behind him outside of the results on the field. If he was coming across as a very nice guy, then people would be like, all right, fine. Rivera started off one and three his third year. People were fed up and they wanted to get rid of him. But then they turned their things around, went 12 and four, won a division, unfortunately lost in the divisional round to the 49ers. But Ron Rivera did a lot of things to bring confidence and instill confidence. And there was question marks about his aggressiveness and his game management. And that's a question about Matt Rule. Maybe he changes things up here in year three. At the end of the day, for me, Matt Rule has not embraced the city. And because he has not embraced the city, the city has not embraced him. Oftentimes, it's that easy to get people on your side. He would have at least been able to win a few more fans. And I'm sure there's folks who have stories of running into him at the Harris Teeter or wherever and saying, hey, coach, how you doing? And Matt being nice to them. But you don't see him out in the community like Ron Rivera. And there's certainly extenuating circumstances that have prevented him from having that opportunity. But I've never seen anything like what I've seen here over the last three months in terms of how this fan base reacts to this head coach. And that is startling. We talk about Southern hospitality, even though we've been overrun by Yankees and people from all over the country here in Charlotte, but we're not seeing it. I mean, Twitter is a disgusting place most of the time. It's also really fun a lot of the time also, but also it's just sick, a cesspool and nothing but negativity surrounds Matt Rule on Twitter. And every time he opens up his mouth, Panther fans just get sick, and there's a pit in their stomach, and there certainly is one now that they know for a fact that Matt Rule will be returning unless something crazy happens and Matt Rule goes back to school. Hashtag send Rule to school, or back send Rule back to school, whatever. Um, but yeah, so Matt Rule's coming back. I had also brought up, and now I'm bringing it up again, like, if Matt Rule told the team a couple months ago that, hey, there's a bunch of college jobs I could go take and I could make a lot more money, but I'm not going to do that because I'm going to stick with you, which did not come across the way I think he wanted to come across, but I understood what he was trying to say. He's like, hey, I'm in this. I want to see this through. And all the reports from guys like Florio, someone you can also trust, have brought out is that Matt Rule wants to see it through here in Charlotte. It wouldn't have made a lot of sense to me for him to go to Michigan after hiring 
Ben McAdoo, who then led to the hiring of James Campen, which I think is the best hire so far this offseason for Matt Rule, and also hiring Chris Tabor. You're signing these guys to three-year contracts, and you're going to bail. And then what happens to the rest of your staff? Yes, guys like Nixon, Phil Snow, like would follow. What happens to the other guys who are NFL dudes? That's kind of the way I looked at it. So I didn't really feel like Rule, who didn't want to pull Petrino and leave in the middle of the season, I couldn't see him now leaving after hiring other guys to another job. Like, that's a Josh McDaniel situation where Matt Eberflus, who is now the head coach of the Chicago Bears, was signed on to be defensive coordinator for Josh McDaniels, and McDaniels decided, nah, I'm not going to go to the Colts. I'm going to stay there in New England. Worked out well for Frank Reich and eventually for Eberflus, and also proves that maybe McDaniels knows how to put a good staff together that Eberflus is now the head coach of the Chicago Bears. But unfortunately for Carolina Panther fans, they're going to have to suck this one up. They're going to have to swallow this tough pill. Matt Rule is coming back for a third year, and he's checked a couple boxes. I like what he's done so far with the coaching staff. Quarterback situation, I'm going to get into that later on in the show. But damn, dude, do yourself a favor. And me, because i got to listen to this. Do yourself a favor and try and be a part of this community. Greg Olson, he's going to have his Hardest Yard Fit uh, Foundation, his Hardest Yard Foundation, uh, like some sort of dinner at Steak 48 in South Park on the 28th of February. Jeff Gordon's going to be there. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to be there. Thomas Davis, Luke Keekley, all the Charlotte dignitaries, except for your boy, are going to be there. I damn sure hope the coach is there. Because you coach a team. Like, you need to be visible within this community and show people that you care about living here. If not, well, and you keep losing games, well, that'll take care of itself. You won't be here next season. But at the very least, come on, like do something to make people here in Charlotte, especially the natives, feel like you care about where you live and you care about them outside of just winning football games. So there's a free piece of advice there for you, Matt Rule. Okay, um, Brian Flores, who was fired a couple weeks ago, one of the shock firings of the NFL offseason, he has now filed a lawsuit against the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, and the New York Giants. We'll get into those thoughts here in a moment as that is the biggest story in the National Football League right now at the beginning of February as we're in the middle of Senior Bowl week and a week away from the Super Bowl. Hey, Panther fans, this is Julian Council with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called Good Upside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up. All that and cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back by using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get $0.25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
There's no bigger story right now in the National Football League than Brian Flores, the former Miami Dolphins head coach, filing a class action lawsuit against the National Football League, his former employer, the Dolphins, including also the Denver Broncos and the New York Giants, claiming racism in hiring practices. We know that the National Football League has had issues over its entire history. And in particular, it's been called into question this current hiring cycle and coaching carousel with the lack of black coaches at head coaching positions, with Mike Tomlin being the only one of the current 32 teams right now, and also looking at the coordinators, the lack of black coordinators on the offensive side of the ball, and just the lack of equity in the hiring practices across the NFL. And Brian Flores has decided that he has seen enough, he's had enough, and he's emotionally hurt to the point where he is willing to sacrifice his future as a head coach in the National Football League and a coach period in the National Football League by calling out what he believes to be injustices that he has faced as he's tried to make his way into being a head coach after 18 years working in the National Football League. One of the examples he brought up was an interview had a couple years ago with the Denver Broncos, which he considered a sham. As you all know, the Rooney Rule requires NFL teams to interview at least two external minority candidates and one of those minority candidates has to be interviewed in person so Brian Flores had an interview back in 2019 I believe with the Denver Broncos in person that day he alleges that the Broncos that morning he alleges the Broncos brass showed up late and appeared to be disheveled aka hungover from the night before later on they end up hiring Vic Fangio who recently was fired who is a white coach and the Broncos have since said that Flores' claims are blatantly false and that that's not what occurred. But Flores says it was a sham interview. They already knew they were going to hire Vic Fangio and they were only trying to check the Rudy Rule box, which I brought up in the past before when looking at the Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator search that when people were talking about Scotty Montgomery and, oh, he can't be the OC here in Carolina, he was here to check a box, y'all. I'm not going to say like Matt Rule isn't wanting to hire a black offense coordinator. He already had a black play caller the last five games. That's his boy. It's also kind of curious that he didn't already have um, one in the first place, considering Jeff Nixon's relationship with Matt Rule and he called the plays back at Baylor. But either way, also in this lawsuit, Brian Flores talks about the New York Giants, who he interviewed with last month in January, who eventually they just hired Brian Daybull, that apparently he was sent a text by New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick congratulating him for getting the Giants job even though Flores hadn't interviewed yet. And that just goes to show you that a lot of these teams already know who they want to hire, and they're just trying to to check the box. Leslie Frazier, the D.C., there in Buffalo, who also has a relationship with the new Giants general manager, Joe Shane, he also interviewed for the job because he had two external candidates, along with Brian Flores, who wanted the interview already knowing that he wasn't going to get the job. The Giants later claimed that Dayball was the most qualified candidate, even though he's never been a head coach ever, and Flores has won 19 games during the past two seasons with the Miami Dolphins. Brian Flores also mentioned his former employer, the Miami Dolphins, owned by Stephen Ross, in believing that he was not given the amount of time that he should have been given and that he was fired prematurely when other coaches, coaches of who are white, would not have been fired in those situations. Now, the biggest thing that he brought up outside of that was that he alleged that Stephen Ross tried to bribe Flores, offered him $100,000 
for each loss in an effort to tank a couple seasons ago to try and draft Joe Burrow, who's now in Cincinnati and playing in the Super Bowl next Sunday, number one overall. Flores refused to do that, and Ross held that against them, later leading to them not having a great relationship. And then after the firing, the smear campaign that the Dolphins have run against Brian Flores saying that he was difficult to work with and basically putting him up there and categorizing him as the classic angry black man, even though Brian Flores was just a demanding coach. And apparently it was a coach, allegedly, who was trying to win games and won games in spite of his owner trying to sandbag him. Now, I'm sure a lot of you are asking now, what exactly does Brian Flores want to see change? There's a couple bullet points that were put in the lawsuit that Brian Flores wants to increase the influence of black individuals in the hiring process, increase the objectivity of hiring slash terminating GMs, head coaches, and coordinators, increase the number of black coordinators, incentivize hiring slash retention of black GMs, head coaches, and coordinators, and he wants transparency of pay for GMs, head coaches, and coordinators. The NFL? How do they feel about this? Well, they don't appear to be very interested in investigating any of these claims or really taking them very seriously as they put out the statement minutes after. Minutes after this came out on Tuesday afternoon saying the NFL and our clubs are deeply committed to ensuring equitable employment practices and continue to make progress in providing equitable opportunities throughout our organizations. Diversity is core to everything we do, and there are a few issues on which our clubs and our internal leadership team spend more time. We will defend against these claims, which are without merit. We will defend against these claims, which are without merit. Seriously? Like, not even investigate. You're just going to say these claims are without merit. I don't know if that's the best thing the NFL could have done, especially now that they're in a situation where... They're very close. As I pointed out, the coaching cycle that's going on, they are on track to not have a single black coach hired among the nine openings this offseason and only having Mike Tomlin as the lone black coach in the National Football League and Brian Flores brings up this lawsuit and they tell him minutes after that these claims are without merit. Oh, boy. I applaud Brian Flores for stepping up and trying to force the NFL to make a change. I do. I really do. I also, when I first saw this, my first thought was, Brian Flores is done. He'll never coach again in the National Football League. And probably nothing will come from this in terms of the NFL having more diversity when it comes to their coaches. That's just how I feel about it. I know that Brian Flores apparently interviewed with the Saints and he's interviewed with the Texans and he told both of those organizations that he was going to file this lawsuit so that they weren't blindsided and we'll see if he gets one of those jobs. The Saints have no reason to uh, be on the side of the NFL, especially how they had to deal with the whole bounding gate things and they're not really on the side of the NFL even though that's their own fault. And Sean Payton, who's no longer the Saints head coach, that was on them. The Saints don't have the greatest relationship with the NFL. You can also go back to the whole pass interference, no call in the NFC Championship game a couple years ago. All that said, I don't think Brian Flores is going to get any of these jobs that are available. I think he should have gotten a job. And it's curious timing that he would do this when he's still interviewing for jobs. I don't think it incentivizes these teams to want to hire him, especially the Texans, And but it might scare them to want to hire Brian Flores and it might help the league's case. It would have helped Brian Flores' case. I'm not a lawyer had he not been hired by any of these teams after winning 19 games over the last two years and you have teams like the Giants saying that Brian Dable 
is the more qualified candidate. And Brian Dable might be the best thing for the New York Giants, and he might end up being a very good head coach. But it's interesting to hear someone who's never been a head coach ever in the National Football League or anywhere, Wee, high school football, college football, is more qualified than Brian Flores, who was winning in Miami with Fitzmagic and Tua Tungavaloa the last few years as his quarterbacks, won 19 games, and the owner allegedly didn't even want him to win at all. So I have a hard time seeing Brian Flores ever coach in the National Football League again. Colin Kaepernick, he didn't even sue the NFL first off. He did eventually. But when he kneeled during the National Anthem just to, God, he had the audacity to try and bring up the fact that there's a lot of inequities in this country and prejudice that black people and minorities have to face. People hated it. The NFL hated it. And Colin Kaepernick got blackballed eventually. Filed a lawsuit against the NFL and it took care of him. But he didn't file a lawsuit from day one. Brian Flores is doing it right now. And the fact that he's doing it right now makes me believe that he will never coach in the National Football League again. And I don't know how far this is going to go. I have a friend who's a lawyer, and he said it's going to be pretty hard for Flores to be able to win this case in court if it even gets to court. Um, he said it would be ex- it's extremely tough to actually win in court without actual evidence. The Bill Belichick texts aren't enough. Hard to link a discriminatory effect of intent without getting into the minds of the decision makers and NFL teams would never allow any actual discriminatory information to exist in writing anywhere. Of course, unless you're the Washington commanders who had that whole uh, investigation and issue that was uh, brought to light by the Washington Post. My belief is the biggest thing that's going to come from all this, if it's true, is that Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, will lose his team. If he actually bribed Brian Flores, $100,000 per game, per loss, to lose, he will lose his team. There's too much money in gambling, and it questions the integrity of competition and the league, or the league's integrity is already a question with its hiring practices and lack of diversity when it comes to the coaching candidates in a league where it's 73% black. You're telling me there's not any qualified black coaches out there at all, especially even at a coordinator level, but at a head coach level especially? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And, and you can talk about, oh, got to hire the best guy. You, you can't tell me that all, all the coaches that are that are in the National Football all the head, head coaches in the National Football League are all the best guys. All the best guys, 31 of them are, gonna, are white, and only one of them can be black. That can't, that can't be true. But I still think the biggest thing that comes out of this, if anything at all, because I don't think anything's going to happen in terms of the Flores thing other than him never coaching the National Football League again, and the NFL still not hiring um, minority candidates uh, to the level where they probably should, and that would be representative of the actual workforce. I think the biggest thing, if this is true, is that Stephen Ross will lose his job, will lose his team, and the NFL will have to figure out how they can prevent things like tanking and not allow teams to be able to profit with the number one draft pick and incentivize them to not want to tank. Like, that's far more important. The bottom line for the NFL is gambling and that the games are actually being played above board and that teams and owners aren't out here fixing games. Like, that's, I think that's what's really going to bother them more than anything. And I've felt this way for a while, too, when looking at the Rooney Rule. I just don't think it's, it's not going to work. Like, you can't force owners and teams to hire people of color. Like, they hire whoever the hell they want to. And that's any business in America. Yes, we have equal employment opportunities at all these jobs and all these businesses. But still, you can't force people to want to hire someone who is a minority or who's female. Like, they have to want to do it themselves. You can certainly put those people in front of the decision makers and the people who make the hiring, but you cannot force them to do that. The NFL's trying to incentivize them by teams that have a, a player, uh, have a coach who's hired away 
um, who's a minority that you give him a draft pick and all that kind of stuff. But I, I don't like that, that you have to be incentivized, that there even needs to be a Rooney rule. Like That should not be the case. And when I talk about in the NFL and businesses, period, that they hire people who are like them, look at Matt Rule here in Carolina. David Tepper was quoted of as saying, like, he dresses like crap like me. He used to be a short order cook. Like, I see myself in him. David Tepper hired Matt Rule because he related to Matt Rule because they're both white guys from Pennsylvania who used to be short order cooks and dress like crap. Meanwhile, Eric Bieniemy, who interviewed for the job here in Carolina, I guess David Tepper doesn't relate to him because he's not a white guy from PA and he is, wasn't a former short order cook and dresses like crap like him. It's just, that's the kind of stuff. And there was also Marvin Lewis, who coached for 15 years in Cincinnati and had success there with the Bengals, even though he did not win a playoff game. He talked about how in 2 when he interviewed for the Panthers job, the report had came out from Chris Mortensen earlier the week that the Carolina Panthers are going to hire John Fox on a Friday. And they wanted Marvin Lewis to come down and interview. And he felt like he was only going down there to check the box for Jerry Richardson. He gets down there, asks about the report. They say that's not true. Come Friday, the Carolina Panthers hire John Fox, which was not a bad hire at all. But Marvin Lewis had a lot more consistency there in Cincinnati, albeit didn't win a playoff game, but still. That's the kind of stuff that's gone on in the National Football League and what Brian Flores is trying to bring light to. And it shouldn't really be a surprise to anyone if you've been paying attention. For me, the only way to get more diverse head coaches and coordinators and general managers in the National Football League is to have more diversity in ownership. Every owner in the National Football League is white. Or, you know, Shai Khan is not white, but there's no black owners in the National Football League of any National Football League team. Majority owners. And until that changes, it's hard for me to see that there's going to be more black coaches. They've tried the Rooney Rule to put as many minority candidates in front of these teams. But for whatever reason, these teams just don't want to make those hires. I was listening to Rick Stroud, on the, who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the Tampa Bay Times. I was listening to him on Rich Eisen show on Wednesday, and he was just talking about it. It doesn't make any sense to him how Byron Leftwich and how Todd Bowles, especially Leftwich, have not been hired by any of these teams. Like He's like, I don't know what these teams want. He doesn't know. So... I don't know, guys. The, the Flores thing, good for him. It, he certainly brought light to it, and his legal team is has a ton of public discourse, and I think that's probably what they wanted. Does anything come out of it? I would doubt it, other than Brian Flores can get blackball from the league because we've already seen it happen before, and that, if anything, Stephen Ross might lose his team if all those things that he's alleged are true. So there's that. I just thought I'd comment on the biggest story going on in the National Football League right now. Um, on the other side, though, I want to comment – on what Greg Olson had to say to Joe Person of The Athletic on Wednesday. Talk about the quarterback situation here in Carolina and what options that they have and whether they should make any sort of trade or acquisition of a quarterback during this offseason. Again, that here in just a moment. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right before the big game in a couple weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live, real-time updates on current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
This episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers and makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Blind or often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on the computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers of access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in our How Did You Hear About Us box so that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. So I try to come up here and be strong in my convictions and my opinions as it pertains to the Carolina Panthers. And I don't want to be wishy-washy, but I'm feeling kind of wishy-washy right now when looking at this quarterback situation. I've said this before. I feel like the Panthers are kind of SOL. If you know what SOL means, go look it up in Urban Dictionary or you probably just Google it and find it. But that's how I feel about the Carolina Panthers when it comes to what they're going to do this offseason, that quarterback. I already brought the example on Monday of Matthew Stafford, who a year ago said, nah, I'm good. I want to go to the Rams. Now he's going to go win a Super Bowl. You look at Deshaun Watson. When all that was playing out, before all the legal troubles, the thought was he wanted to go to Miami, and he has a no-trade clause. Does Deshaun Watson want to come to Carolina? No reports have said that he actually wants to do that. Russell Wilson who's won a Super Bowl, who's had success in Seattle, for whatever reason, might want out. Is Carolina where he wants to go? Aaron Rodgers. You really think Aaron Rodgers wants to come to Carolina? All the top options available, potentially available, are unlikely, in my opinion, to want to come to the Carolina Panthers. And the Carolina Panthers also don't have a ton of assets to go out there and spend three future first-round picks and give away two starters for a guy like Deshaun Watson. And they might not even have the assets to bring in a Kirk Cousins or even have the cap space. And Kirk Cousins is another man who has a no-trade clause. There's other options like a Tyler Huntley, potentially, who's a free agent who did a really good job in the absence of Lamar Jackson towards the last couple weeks of the season. They're in Baltimore who they could try to kick the tires on. There's a Mitch Trubisky who is a former first-round pick who they could kick the tires on. It would cost them a hell of a lot less than they did last year by trading three picks for Sam Darnold, who was terrible this season and has now hamstrung the team in trying to figure out how they're going to manage the salary cap this season and then potentially bring in a quarterback. And as I mentioned before, Scott Fitter, who said during his exit interviews, they're not going to force the quarterback situation, which might actually end up being the best thing for the Carolina Panthers. Greg Olson, one of my all-time favorite Carolina Panthers, now a part of Fox Sports as an NFL analyst, does a fantastic job on the broadcast. He was asked by Joe Person as they had a little sit-down interview that came out on The Athletic on Wednesday afternoon, asking you know, what the Carolina Panthers might potentially do when it comes to the quarterback situation. He said, if it's not Darnold, do you think Jimmy Garoppolo or Deshaun Watson makes sense versus getting someone in the draft? And Craig Olson said, I don't. Year three of a rebuild, if I'm the GM, I feel really highly about Scott Fitter. I think he's really good. The problem with continuing to mortgage your future by giving away draft picks, if you're going to give away a draft pick, it's got to be a home run. No-brainer, and he's our quarterback for the next decade. I like Jimmy Garoppolo. Are you going to be able to give him the same support he had in San Francisco? 
Probably not. It's not the same point of the program. You've got one pick in the top 100. You're going to give that away. You're going to give away the sixth pick in the draft to get Garoppolo because if you're not giving up the first round pick, you're probably not getting him. You might even have the assets to pull off a trade like that, even if theoretically you wanted to. Just last year, they traded for and took Sam's fifth year option. So Sam's on the team unless you dump him for something. So how many quarterbacks are you going to pay? You're paying like five quarterbacks. I think you've got to go into this year trying to build the best team possible around Sam. If you have an opportunity to get a developmental quarterback in the draft and he sits behind Sam and develops and he surprises you and he's ready, great. I don't know if I continue to mortgage my future and give draft picks away when I'm in a rebuild. So Greg Olson is not hearing it. He says, unless there's a no-brainer guy available and you're willing to give up those assets to have a quarterback for the next 10, 15 years, he doesn't think the Carolina Panthers should make a move. And as I mentioned, those no-brainer guys, I feel like it's highly unlikely they want to be here in Carolina. And the Carolina Panthers are not a quarterback away. I think a lot of people would have said the same thing about the Cincinnati Bengals, but they made some great moves in free agency with Von Bell and Trey Hendrickson and obviously drafting Jamar Chase. Like There were some pieces that have been instrumental to that team making this turnaround this year going to the Super Bowl. But obviously the most important one is the one they made two years ago by drafting Joe Burrow number one overall. Like if Watson's available and all that legal stuff is figured out, then hell yeah, if he wants to come here, go get him. But if, if he's not available, should the Carolina Panthers move off of Sam Darnold? I don't know. Like I've said to you all before that Jimmy Garoppolo is probably the best case scenario if they're going to make a move because I just don't see any of those upper echelon guys wanting to come to Carolina. Jimmy Garoppolo came out on Wednesday and said that he wants to go to somewhere that's serious about winning and is going to be um, just bullish on trying to turn things around. The Carolina Panthers are going to be aggressive, but the aggressiveness doesn't always lead to them ending up with the right quarterback. Look at last offseason. They were aggressive with Stafford, Watson, and they ended up with Sam Darnold. And where did that get them? Nowhere. So we will see. And Greg also says that, does he think that even if Watson's legal stuff is figured out, should they be able to, you know, should they do something there? He said, is it going to be enough? Like, are you willing to part ways of Brian Burns and Jeremy Chen and three first-round picks or two first-round picks to bring in Deshaun Watson? He said he wouldn't do that. So Greg Olson's like, hey, build the best team around Sam Darnold that you can. And there certainly is a conversation of if they can figure out left tackle, and the rest of the offensive line, and if Robbie can bounce back, and if CMC can stay healthy, that the Carolina Panthers could be a lot better with Sam Darnold next year. They could be a better team, and the NFC South is in flux. Apparently, Bowles and Leftwich are going to both be back in Tampa Bay, and Aarons will be back, so even if they don't have Tom Brady, that should still be a really good team. We'll see what happens with New Orleans as they're trying to find a new head coach and a new quarterback, and Falcons are the Falcons. I'm starting to kind of align with Greg Olson. If they can't get a home run guy, I'd rather just deal with Sam Darnold for one more year. And then if it doesn't work out, you fire the head coach and then you bring in a new head coach and you're going to probably be bad enough to where you can draft the Bryce Younger, CJ Stroud. That's kind of where I'm at right now. They brought him in here to be the starter. They picked up the fifth year option with the idea that he'd be the starter for at least two years. And if he was awesome the first year, they wouldn't be in a situation where he could go sign elsewhere, even though they have the franchise tag for a reason. I'm getting very close to that point. If they can't get Watson, if they can't get Rodgers, they can't get Wilson, that they need to just go ahead and stick with Sam Darnold instead of bringing in a Jimmy G or Kirk Cousins, who we know good and damn well aren't good enough to win a Super Bowl. Minnesota brought Kirk to do that. He didn't do it. The 49ers are moving off of Jimmy G because they know he can't do it, and he wasn't good enough in the final two drives, 
on Sunday in the NFC title game and in that fourth quarter against the Chiefs a couple years ago. And the difference in that game was the fact that the Chiefs had Patrick Mahomes and the 49ers had Jimmy Garoppolo. So the Carolina Panthers, they can't get that guy. What's the point? David Sepper talked about it. You got to be in constant pursuit of that top quarterback who can win you a Super Bowl. Pursuing Kirk Cousins, pursuing Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to solve the problem here in Carolina. I think they'd be a playoff team with those guys, but then you're giving up more assets. That's cap space that might not go towards signing Hassan Redick or Stephon Gilmore, Dante Jackson, and some of these other integral players on this team that you want to keep who need to be the foundation moving forward. So yeah, I'm at, I'm at that point. If they don't get one of those top guys, you got to run it back with Sam Darnold. I know I've said in the past that you can't trot him back out there. The fan base, there's no way they're going to be on board with that. Hell, the fan base is already lost for the next season anyway, at least this point in time here in early February. We'll see how free agency plays out. We'll see how the draft plays out. And I know how this world works. That once football season comes around, everybody's going to be so fired up because the NFL sells hope better than anybody out there. And it's a narcotic and y'all are addicted. But in summation, they can't get those guys. Sam Darnold, coach him up. You brought him here. I've already said it. If I was the owner, I would already be telling them that. Knowing good and damn well, they're probably not going to win with him. But he's a young player. Scott Fitter said we got we can we got to do right by Sam. Sam needs to be better. He's got to take care of the football. But we got to put him in his position to win. And if you put enough around him, maybe you can win with him. How much can you win with him? A Super Bowl? I don't think so. But the other options are Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins, who you know you can't win a Super Bowl with. You might as well stick with the option, who you know you probably can't win one with. But at least he's under contract this year and not continue to implode the cap and give away future assets for the next regime. Because Scott Fitter is going to be here after this upcoming season. Matt Rule, well, if if Darnold's his quarterback, we already know how that's going to end. He won't be here. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Kind of a long one, but there was a lot I wanted to get off my chest, a lot I wanted to say. And tomorrow is your opportunity to tell me what you think about this team as I answer your questions, a part of our weekly Friday mailbag. You can tweet at me at Julian Council or DM me at Julian Council. Plenty of you already have done that. Continue to do that. Get those questions in by late Thursday afternoon, and I will get them recorded and put that up on Friday morning. Make sure to also follow me on Twitter at Julian Council. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on Spotify and all of the other major podcasting platforms out there. Until then, take care, be safe, be warm, be happy. I think it was Groundhog Day on Wednesday. Whatever happened with that? Either way, I'll talk to you on Friday. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 